Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. I want to welcome you. We're week two of our message series, Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. And I don't know about you, but I've had that song in my head more than once this week, right? Yeah. And uh, if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you, go online and listen to it or um, go download our app and watch it on your phone because I'll tell you, God showed us some amazing things last week's through a Rubik's Cube of all things, okay? And today, we're uh, part two, we're talking about jealousy. How many of you have ever felt jealous before? Raise your hand. Put your hand up if you've felt jealous before. Okay, that's almost everybody. And those of you that didn't raise your hand, you've now added lying to your list of sins, okay? <laughs> so, but yeah, we've all, look, everybody's felt jealous before at, some, at, one, at one time or another. And um, in fact, I remember a time in my life when I was jealous of someone who had a Motorola phone exactly like this, right? And by the way, this, this Motorola phone was actually popular in the late 80s, early 90s. How many of you remember a phone like this, right? Oh, good, a whole bunch of you. Okay, fantastic. And because I don't know if you remember, some of those that don't know this phone, this phone was big. It was big. In fact, this is almost life-size of the phone. <laughs> actually, it's not quite life-size, but it's close. Because I'm telling you, this phone was huge. I mean, it was like holding a brick up to your face. I mean, this thing was gigantic. And although on the original one, uh, it had letters on the numbers like a regular phone has, you could not text from this phone. I know. If you're under 20, you're thinking, how did they manage? The answer is IDK. You know? But here's the deal. I was jealous. I was jealous of, I remember I was jealous of a person who had this phone. The reason, get this, the reason I was jealous of a person who had this motor phone is because all I had at the time was a pager. Yeah, you remember those goofy things? A pager. In fact, we're going to talk about pagers in a couple weeks. But I was jealous because he had a phone and all I had was a pager, okay? But here's the thing. A few years later, this phone was out. And then, because Motorola came out with a flip phone. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, everybody wanted a flip phone. And then the flip phone was out because then everybody wanted a slider phone. And then, and then after that, it became a Blackberry. And then the iPhone hit. Man, I'm telling you, when the iPhone, then it was just, everybody could just, what, what version of the iPhone do you have? Do you have an iPhone 6? Well, that's great because I have a 6 Plus. <laughs> you have a 7? 7 Plus? Have you, have you already pre-ordered the iPhone X? It's only $1,000. <laughs> or maybe for you, like, your watch syncs up with your phone, like that's your deal. Okay? Or maybe you're the kind of person, you just rebel against everything Apple, and you've gone Samsung. <laughs> we welcome all types at this church. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's all right. Okay. But my point is, is that even though I was jealous of this Motorola phone, Pretty soon, this phone was out, and I was jealous of the next thing. And see, that's the thing with jealousy. Whatever we become jealous of, pretty soon, it's out of date. The line keeps moving. And even if somehow you're able to catch that carrot on a stick, once you get it, there's always another carrot a little farther out. And we become jealous of whatever that thing is. And the issue is, for us, if we think about it long enough, 
the deal we have to understand is that objects and things cannot meet our deepest needs or solve our insecurities. They just can't. And here's the other thing about jealousy, and this is really the most destructive part. Jealousy causes me to do things that are irrational. Jealousy clouds my rational thought so that I do things or I say things that I would normally never do. In fact, did you know that the very first crime committed that's in recorded history happened over jealousy? That's right. Cain, one of the sons of Adam and Eve, killed his brother Abel basically over jealousy. Let's read about it. Go ahead and pull out your message notes. Check it out. It's in Genesis chapter 4, beginning verse 3. If you have your Bible, you want to turn there, it's fine. If not, just look at the message notes. The Bible says this, beginning verse 3. It says, later, Cain brought some food from the ground as a gift to God. Abel brought the best parts uh, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but did not accept Cain and his gift. So Cain became angry and felt rejected. Essentially, Cain became jealous of Abel because God accepted Abel's offering and not his. Verse 8, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. While they were out in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And killed him. Now, think about this. The rational thing would have been for Cain to say, God, you don't like my offering, but you like Abel's offering, then wait right here, hold on, I'm going to go prepare a different offering that looks like his so that I can have an offering that's acceptable to you too. That would be the rational response, right? But what's Cain's response? He says, you know what? I know the solution. I'll just kill my brother. How crazy is that? Like, how irrational is that? It's because when jealousy sets in, we do things that are irrational. Honestly, and I see it all the time. I see people, they spend money that they don't have so they can go buy something so they can change their look so they can look like another person. Or they stop eating something or they start eating something else or they just go and they, they purchase something or they try to get something or try to acquire something or they try to achieve something so they can be like someone else because they are jealous of what that other person has or done or how they look. It happens all the time. And when I see that and when people do that, I'm telling you at that point in time when that jealousy sets in, it not only clouds our heart, but it ruins our relationships with those other people. It's just what it does because that's what jealousy does. And here's the thing. We eventually get to the point where we start saying things about the other person to try to tear them down or to try to sabotage their friendships or sabotage their other relationships and... We secretly hope that something will go wrong for them in their life. And then when it does, I mean, outwardly, we're super compassionate. We're like, oh, I'm so sorry. But inside, we're secretly a little bit happy that misfortune came their way. How messed up is that? I mean, seriously, how messed up is that that we are happy when misfortune comes to someone else? That is, I mean, it becomes so irrational, but it all starts because of jealousy. Uh, that, and that's what happens. And that jealousy wrecks relationships with, with everyone we know. 
It, 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 it does. But listen, our Heavenly Father doesn't want any of that for us. He doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for me. And he doesn't want that for any of our relationships in any part of our life. In fact, our Heavenly Father wants to make it so that our hearts become impervious to jealousy. He wants to make our hearts so that jealousy can't even exist there. Okay, Think about your heart like it's a field. And then every time a seed of jealousy gets dropped in, that that jealousy left untended grows and then it eventually spreads, okay? God wants to do way more in our lives than just to, you know, pluck out the weeds of jealousy. Instead, what God wants to do, he wants to change the, the content of the soil of our heart in such a way that whenever a seed of jealousy gets dropped in, it cannot grow because jealousy doesn't grow in that kind of soil. He wants to change our hearts like that. And I'm not just over-promising. I'm telling you, that's what the Bible says. And it will only happen if we do what God says and we make three commitments. Because the Bible says if we'll make three commitments, jealousy will not exist in our hearts. So pull out your message notes. If for God to change the condition of my heart so jealousy cannot grow, these are the three commitments I need to make. Here's the first one. I need to be excited for the success of others and not jealous of it. Just be excited for the success of others and not jealous of it. Look at this incredibly powerful parable that Jesus tells his disciples about jealousy. Matthew chapter 20, verse 8. When evening came, the owner of a vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour, that means they were hired the last hour of the day, they each received a denarius. Now, a denarius was a full day's wage. So they worked one hour, got a full day's wage. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day? But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? And I want you to circle this. Or are you envious because I am generous? Or are you envious because I am generous? Now, this parable, if you read the context, is actually about how the disciples should respond to someone who becomes a Christ follower earlier in their life and then in the middle of their life and then maybe late in life. He's telling the disciples, hey, don't be jealous of the person who became a Christian late in life that they get to go to heaven same as you. But at the end of this parable, there's this huge reveal about the character of our Heavenly Father, about God. And what does it say? It says, Jesus says about God, he says, because God is the landowner in this parable. Or are you envious because I am generous? That is huge. Because here's the thing. Most of the time, we don't think about God as being generous. But he is. God gives us things that we don't deserve or we haven't earned or we, you know, you know, we, we don't merit. He gives us those things all the time. But most of the time, unfortunately, we focus on the things that we don't get and so we don't view God as generous. 
But the truth is, God is extremely generous. And, get this, because God is generous, what if you just decided? What if you just decided that you're going to be excited for another person when God is generous to them? You know, for instance, students, what if you just decided that you're going to be excited for your classmate when they made varsity or that person makes the honor roll? Even though you didn't make varsity, even though you didn't make the honor roll, what if, what if you just decided you're going to be happy for them and you're just going to gush all over them and you're going to be excited for them? You're going to make a big deal about what God has done in their life. What if you just did that? Because look, get this, whether they make varsity or they make honor roll has nothing to do with whether you made it or not. It's God just, in that moment, he just chose to bless them. And so why can't you just be excited and just gush all over them and be excited for them? Not jealous, just be excited for them. Adults, same thing. What if someone in your work group gets a promotion that you applied for to and you didn't get it, but they do? Why can't you just be excited for them? What would happen if you just decided, you know what, I'm going to be excited for them because God chose to bless them in that moment. It has nothing to do with whether you got a promotion or not. It has nothing to do with you. God just chose to be generous to them in that moment. But what would happen if you just decided, I'm just going to be excited just for them, because it doesn't say anything about whether God loves me or cares about me or is generous to me. I'm, I'm totally separate. It's just them. I'd just be excited for them. What if during Hurricane Harvey, you know, you were flooded out and many of your neighbors were flooded? I know that's the story of so many people. But what if in that same moment, you know, you had a relative in Dallas that got a promotion and, and that same week bought a new Corvette and they called you. It's like, man, you're not going to believe what I just bought. And you're thinking to yourself, we're trying to figure out how just to make it and put all the pieces back together. But you know what? Why can't we just be excited for them because God blessed them in that moment in time? It has, again, it doesn't say anything about you. It, it says nothing about you and what you're going through. It just All it says is that God chose that moment to be generous and to bless them. See, jealousy happens when we compare our moment to someone else's generous moment, and we become jealous because in just for that one particular moment, God blessed them and didn't bless us. But there'll be other moments when God will bless us and I'll be blessing them. So why would we be jealous? Instead, we should take the biblical posture and just be excited for them because God has chosen in that moment to bless them. Because look, here's the thing. I can get all upset if God blesses someone with a big old Motorola phone and I'm still towing around my pager or whatever that scenario looks like for you in your life, you can, be, you can be upset about that if you want to, but all that will get you is a ruined relationship and a heart that is prone to jealousy. And God wants so much more for you and for me. And so if instead, we'll just be excited for God blessing that other person in that moment. And then the, what that will do for us is it'll make that relationship with that other person so much better because we're genuinely excited for them. They can feel that. And at the same time, it changes the soil of our heart so that we become less prone to jealousy in the future. That's what it does.
That's the first commitment. Here's the second. Commitment number two is this. I need to consider others as actually better than myself. I should consider others as actually better than myself. Look what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. And I want you to underline this. Consider others better than yourselves. Consider others better than yourselves. Now look, this verse flies in the face of you know, modern day thinking where it says, you know, just believe in yourself. Promote yourself. Feed your ambitions. You know, none of those attitudes are found anywhere in the Bible. But the attitude that is found in the Bible is to consider another person better than yourself. Now, the truth is, most of us really don't have much problem considering ourselves as actually, we consider ourselves better. I mean, face it. You know, you get up, you look in the mirror in the morning and go, mm, you are good, right? <laughs> I mean, that, we, we kind of believe our own press clippings, right? We, we, we think that about ourselves, okay? Now, but, but seriously, just for a second, think about this. What about the scenario where you know that person's not better than you? Not, not in an arrogant sort of way, but like you just, you know, they're not better. I mean, they're not smarter. They're not as educated. They're not as talented. They're not as athletic. They're not as good looking. They're not as tall. They don't have the title. They just, they just, they just simply don't have the skill sets that you have, I mean, by every measure that you can possibly think of, they're not really better than you. I, well, what if, how does this verse apply then? I mean, is God telling you, I'll just fake it? I, just pretend? I, I don't think that's what God's saying at all. I think God's actually being really genuine with this. So think about it like this. What is it that gives a person value? What is it that makes a person valuable as a person? Is it their performance or their accomplishments? Is it what they have? Is it what they look like? Is it their title? Is it how, how much they've acquired? Is it any of those things? No. A person's value isn't determined by any of those things. Get this. A person's value is, deter is a person only has value because they are eternal. They have an eternal soul. And because they are eternal, they are deeply loved by God. And because they are so deeply loved by God, that is why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for them. So the reason that a person has value is simply because they are. It's because they are. It has nothing to do with what they've accomplished or what they have or what they look like. It has nothing to do with it. The only reason a person has value is because they are eternal. And because they're eternal, they are deeply loved by God so much that God sent his own son. So they're valued to God because they are. Think about this. Because during Hurricane Harvey, people just helped people. And it did not matter what how big their house was or what they looked like or how much they had or how much they'd lost or what their race was or how athletic they were. None of that mattered. People just help people because they're people. And the people who are not Christ followers yet, the reason they helped other people, they would say, well, are we gotta help them? Because they're people. I mean, that's why they rescued people and not like shrubbery. Nobody cares. Shrubbery's not eternal big deal but people are now people are not christ followers yet could not articulate that the 
why they really chose to help people and not shrubs. I mean, they just go, well, well duh, just because they're people. But people who are Christ followers, we can't articulate it because the reason that people have genuine value is because they are eternal. And that's why people matter, because they're eternal. And so they have value. So listen, when you're thinking about other people and jealousy, you know, you can be jealous of what they have if you want to, what they have isn't what brings them value. What brings them value is because they are. And they are eternal in nature. And so when you get that sort of mindset from the Bible in your head, then it becomes pretty easy to say, you know what? I can consider them better than myself. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to fake it. Because the truth is, they have just as much value as I do. It doesn't matter their title. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what they have. They have just as much value as I do because I'm eternal, they're eternal, I'm deeply loved by God, they're deeply loved by God, and so they have incredible value. It doesn't matter their education or what they look like or what they smell like. God loves that person just as much as he loves me. And so they have incredible value. Their value is in not what they have. It's all I have to be jealous of this. I, I just need to understand they have incredible value because they're loved by God. That's the deal. And when, look, when we get that kind of mindset, we become impervious to jealousy over stuff like Because this is petty stuff. It becomes so petty when we see people like God sees them. I mean, that's really deep. The more you think about it, the deeper that's going to get for you, okay? So we need to move on to number three. Here's, here's the third commitment we need to make. Number three, give in to God's jealousy. I need to give in. To God's jealousy. Look what God says to his people in Exodus chapter 20, beginning verse 4. It says, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Look, God's jealous, the Bible says. Now look, he's not jealous of idols. Because an idol, look, an idol is just a thing. It's just a, a piece of wood or a piece of metal that's carved or, or molded to look like a thing. God's not jealous of an idol. An idol isn't even real. So what is it saying? It's saying that God is jealous not of something. He's jealous for something. And God is jealous for the only thing that he cannot have outside of himself. And that is you. He's jealous for you. He's jealous for your love, for your devotion to him. That's what God is jealous for. And so God wants you to give in to that kind of jealousy. See, God is more interested in a relationship with you than he is in your behavior. You know, for instance, I would much rather have a relationship with my kids and my kids not be perfect than I'm interested in and having perfect kids that don't want to have anything to do with me. I mean, have you figured out that Christianity is not primarily about behavior modification? Christianity is not primarily about how you act or don't act. God loves you because you are. And Christianity basically says, hey, when you realize and you accept God's love and you accept Jesus Christ into your life, 
as imperfect as you are, Jesus Christ comes into your life, you experience his love, and you develop and deepen that relationship, and it's out of that relationship that it works its way out into your life, and that is when you begin to change your behaviors, not in order to earn God's love, but because you already have it. The, the amazing thing about Christianity is that it is the only religion in the world that's not actually religious. It's a, not about religion because all religion says that, you know what, I need to change my behaviors so that I can be right with God. Christianity says, no, 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 you are already dearly loved by God. And be, when you accept and understand that, then that works its way out into your behaviors. Christianity is about a relationship. It's not about being religious. It's not about behavior modification. It has nothing to do with any of that. Look, God loves you. He loves you just because you are. And he is jealous for you. And get this, God has been waiting for you your whole life. While you've been chasing your career and having kids and rearing kids and, um, you know, acquiring this and you've been acquiring that or studying or you've been working or you've been getting yourself back into shape. God has been waiting your whole life for you to have a relationship with him because he's jealous for you. Let me tell you about 15-year-old Amber. Amber had never been to church in her entire life. Um, she had heard of God, but she'd never heard the story about Jesus. In fact, the only time she'd ever heard the name of Jesus it was as a curse word at school. But she had one friend who went to church, and this one friend invited her to come to a retreat weekend at church. And when, she, when Amber showed up, she was wearing all black. I mean, black shirt, black jeans, black boots, black leather jacket, black lipstick, black fingernails. And her face was hard because it reflected the hardness of her heart. Well, over the weekend, Amber heard for the first time in her life about Jesus, about how Jesus loves her so much that Jesus was willing to die for her, J just as she was. She didn't have to do anything to earn his love. Jesus just died for her because he loved her. And she, for the first time, experienced God's love, and she experienced God's love through hearing about Jesus, and she experienced it through the love of the other kids in that group on that retreat weekend. And Amber was so overcome by God's incredible love for her that she decided that on that weekend she wanted to become a Christian too. And so she prayed with her leader to become a Christ follower. And the next morning when Amber got up and she showed up for breakfast at the retreat weekend, she was different. Now, she still wore black because that's all she had. But her face was different. I mean, it began to glow because she, and she smiled like with teeth because for the first time in her life, she understood that she was dearly loved just for her. And the reason I know that story is because I was Amber's leader and I prayed with her to, make, to become a Christ follower that weekend. And I saw God unlocked something in her heart because for the first time in her life, she understood the power and the truth of this last verse. Let's look at it here. It's in Romans chapter five, verse eight. It's incredibly powerful. Look what God says. The Bible says, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So look, God is jealous for you. And, and God demonstrated his love for you in that before you were even born, before you were even born, Jesus already died for you so that you could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus' forgiveness. He's already done that for you. He demonstrated it for you because he already loves you so much because, not because of what you've done, not because of what you can do, not because of what you have, but just because you are. Because you are eternal and you are dearly loved. So look, if you've never become a Christ follower, never experienced that love firsthand, you, you need to do that. You need to start there. And you do that by praying a prayer. It's on, on the bottom of your message. Take a second, I want you to pray it right now. Okay, but look, if you've already prayed that prayer at some point in time in your life, I'm telling you, look, God is jealous for you. He loves you. He's been waiting for you your whole life to have a relationship with you. Look, here's the thing. You could spend your whole life being jealous of somebody's Motorola phone if you want to, or whatever this represents for you. You could spend your whole life being jealous but why would you want to? Why would, why would you want to do that? When you are already so dearly loved just because you are. So give in to God's jealousy. And at the same time, God will make your heart impervious to jealousy if you'll make these three commitments. And so, and I mean this seriously, take the title of this series and stop Stop being jealous. Collaborate with God by making these three commitments and listen to him tell you how much he loves you and is jealous for you. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you that you're jealous for us. Thank you that you're jealous for me. And that you want me to go deeper in my relationship with you than I ever have. And you're, you're calling everybody listening to me today to do the very same thing. And whether they're at the front end and just starting this relationship like Amber, or have been walking with you for years, you're jealous for each of us. And you love each of us with all, our, with all your heart. And so help us, God. Change the soil of our hearts so we don't get sucked into these petty jealousies. Help us to stop using earthly measuring sticks and use eternal ones. And help us, Father, to deepen our relationship with you. And bring us back next week so that we can learn and understand more. And we ask you to do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.